and welcome to season two, episode 10. We've managed to get 10 episodes out of 2020, which is, I think anyone can agree, some kind of achievement. <laughs> so I'm Christy. And I'm Dan. And did I even say what the name of the feckin' podcast was? It's the Clod of War podcast. No. Yay. <laughs> Yay. And it's, what, September? December the 22nd, so we've only got three days now until Christmas, which is, you know, great and simultaneously horrifying. And yeah, this will be the last episode of our season two, I think. I think we'll take a break over January, come back, start season three in February. Yeah, yep. sounds good. Right. So let's make it a good one. What have we been up to, Dan? Right, so, I mean, we've got the big launches to cover anyway, yep. but um, just what I've been playing currently, um, Demon Souls, which mm-hmm. I think we'll cover later, um, Four Guys I've continued to play, and uh, we've just had the launch of Season 3, which yep. is good fun, um, Spider-Man, which I haven't played before, but I am playing now on PS5, Good Ghosts. Legends, we've continued to play, and that's still continuing to be fantastic value for an add-on mode that they came out of nowhere. And it's um, chock full of content. And completely free if you've got the game, which is yeah. you know something a lot of other publishers could learn from. Yeah. Um, Worms Rumble, I've been given a go. <laughs> um, that came out on PS Plus uh, last month. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a lot of fun, actually. Um, I thought it would end up being one of those little worm spin-offs that don't really work as well, but they seem to have captured some of the essence of worms, the weapons of worms, um, and produced a nice little game that is fun to play, is not too hectic, as some of the videos might suggest, and has a fair bit of skill or tactics to it, which means it's not just chuck bazookas and grenades everywhere and and die. So yeah, it's a little bit light on content, but um, they're addressing that by adding things to it. All right, that's good. Um, but it's uh, definitely one to try, give a go. It's included on PS Plus, so that's one to try. It's, it's an actual PS5 game, is it? Um, I'm not sure whether there's a much of a difference between the PS4 and PS5 versions. There is a PS4 version too. Right. But I think there is a PS5 specific version that probably at least runs a better frame rate. Yeah. Actually, yes. It it definitely does have some PS5 features um, because it's got, it uses activity cards and links into the a leaderboard for the little tutorial bit. Oh, that's cool. So it, it's definitely got some of the nice PS5 features. Right, okay. The other one that I've been playing a bit of is Destiny 2. Yeah. Which I've been um, tempted back in by the whole free-to-playness of it. Mm-hmm. It's just had a PS5 update as well, um, so that makes it a bit more lovely and it, nice. It, it looks gorgeous, I think, uh, the PS5 version. And, and again, I'm going to say this a lot. Uh, over the next few months, I think, as much as I hate to say it, that sixty frames per second does does feel really good uh, in a shooter like Destiny. Yeah, I mean, I'd played the original Destiny a reasonable amount, and I'd 
dipped my toe into Destiny 2 before, but not really got got very far. Mm. So coming into this one, it was a little bit confusing what they've done to it. <laughs> because I think it feels feels like Destiny 1 at the start. <laughs> it, do, it does. I think what they're doing is trying to make it... Uh, I, it wouldn't surprise me to see a year or two down the line, they just remove the number. Yeah. And it's just Destiny. I think what they're trying to do is sort out the mess that they had to deal with with Activision and this is kind of like simplifying the it it doesn't seem like if you've played it before but it's simplifying things for new players a little bit because over the last couple of years it became really quite confusing as to what you had access to and what you didn't now it still is confusing but it's nowhere near as bad as it was it was just absolutely bewildering if you came in even having played it before if you if you went back into destiny it, it just you weren't quite sure what you could couldn't play so I, th- I think what they're trying to do is is kind of re-establish this kind of path that you can take to experience all the best of destiny 2 and then buy all the extra campaigns as they come up and i found it i found it really quite enjoyable coming back in especially with a new stasis power I, i'm definitely sucked back in quite considerably did find um the gunplay feeling just feels really really good yeah um it just reminds you of how good a first person shooter can be yeah and they've just nailed that completely so it's more than about the content and there's loads of that for free and all the additional packs are back on sale now as of today yeah it's worth it's worth buying those i think there's some some good value in those yeah it's it's good and it's just it's one of the best kind of co-op shooters that I, i've ever played and it was it was weird when i was after i'd finished demon souls and i was looking for something else to play and that kind of ps5 upgrade for destiny 2 appeared on the store and i just jumped at it and actually it felt like what was missing from the the launch this kind of like exceptionally competent very good looking co-op shooter it's really ironic that it's actually such an old franchise that yeah it's been around a long time and it's it it's taken the arrival of that franchise on the PS5, I think, to really feel like it kind of everything's well covered uh, for a launch kind of period. And I, I, I just felt like even though I'd played Destiny and Destiny 2 to death, I kind of felt like it still felt next gen. It still felt beyond what other shooters are doing in that space. So it feels right yeah. at home on the tech, I think. Right. I- I think that is all of my what I'm currently playing, mm-hmm. apart from some a bit more detail in the PS5 and um, Xbox Series X stuff, which we'll get on to. Yeah. So what have you been playing, Christy? Is there well, anything? Well, Destiny 2, which we've just covered, and uh, yeah, I am loving and I'm playing far too much of it. Uh, Demon's Souls, I absolutely loved, came through that, as is my tradition. Uh, basically, it was like played spending full working weeks <laughs> playing Demon's Souls to get it done because I just I I need to get the Souls games completed or something about it. So I did that. Got out of my system. I've been playing Immortal is it Immortals Phoenix Rising. Um Phoenix spelt wrongly, which is annoying. And that's that's a lot of fun. I it's it feels like an a 
I was going to say an Assassin's Creed. It does feel a bit like an Assassin's Creed game, uh, but it, it, but not at the same time. It feels like an Ubisoft open worlder that I can actually finish. I generally get bored at, at the very latest halfway through. Uh, I don't think I've finished an Assassin's Creed game. I haven't finished a Far Cry game since three. It's, it's kind of full of fun, full of character, uh, really enjoying the mythology. Almost every time I play an Ubisoft game, I have a problem with the characters they came up that they come up with. I, I can't identify with any of them. I just think they're all unequivocally awful people, and that's one of the reasons why I end up stopping because I, I don't really, I don't really care it, about them at <laughs> all. But uh, this story, it, it's actually genuinely funny in places, uh, and I kind of like the characters. So the, I think they've genuinely done a good job with it. One of the things I did dislike was the kind of typical Ubisoft thing of all the extra monetization practices. They're all right in your face from even before you launch the game, which uh, is a little bit off-putting for me. Uh, so one They're of the things... They're all over the, the basic screen that you get on PS5, aren't they, as well? So yeah. as you scroll across the, the bits, it's all over that, which some people I know have mentioned as being very off-putting compared to the nice clean look that other yeah. games have gone for. That's exactly it. It's, uh, yeah, it, it's frustrating. You've got this lovely clean interface and, it, and it, you know, Sony've done a really good job with that. And most games, it, third party included, just have a nice kind of wallpaper behind. It looks lovely. It's very clean. You can see some details of stuff down the bottom right-hand corner. But then you get to Immortals Phoenix Rising and it's like, season pass available now. Bye, bye, bye. All over the place. And it's just not in keeping with the feel of the interface and it it is very typically ubisoft and it's it kind of says a lot about them i think about how they design their games but that aside i actually think it's it's actually a very good very fun open world worlder the powers are fun to use and and the story is it's quite endearing i i quite like it so far yes so it's the assassin's creed odyssey team who are right. behind it so that was the more recent Greek one. Yeah. And it was originally called Gods and Monsters. Which would have been a much better, much better yeah. title. I think it was um, various it was, copyright issues I'm expecting. It was legal, it was legal action from uh, Monster Energy. Oh, dear God. <laughs> <laughs> That's worse. <laughs> yeah, it is worse, isn't it? It's like, oh, no, you can't use Monster in a game anymore. What? Uh, my son is getting it for Christmas, so I'll give it a look after that. But it does look a lot of fun. And it looks like it's a team that's been making Assassin's Creed games for a while and has been given a bit of more license to have some fun with a game and uh, do something that they'd like to do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, I hope they do another one. So a lot of it is it's weird because it takes in lots of influences. A lot of people quote Zelda... Um, I actually think there's actually, it, Stu mentioned on the forum, actually, that it's he felt like it was more Tomb Raider in a lot of aspects. And I actually think he's right about that. I actually yeah. think visually it's not really so much uh, Zelda. It's, oh, man, the, what was the, puz the puzzle game, massive puzzle game that came out ages ago? On PS4? Yes. Um, um, by the Braid guy. Yes. Um yeah. 
I can see it. <laughs> the, the, the something. Oh, oh God, I had it witness. in my head last night. The witness. The witness. The witness. Yeah. yeah. I think visually it's actually much more like the witness. And actually there's there's a whole thing about lo- statues and people being turned to stone in the <laughs> game. And, and I actually think, I mean, there are Zelda elements in there. You can climb everything and all that kind of stuff. But visually, uh, I think people are forgetting that lots of other games have used this style in the past. It's not a new thing. So, yeah, I, I think it's it took a bit of a pasting for uh, unfairly, I felt, in that respect. But yeah, it's, it's enjoyable and it's a mishmash and, and it's a mishmash of lots of good things. Um, other than that, I've been playing uh, a lot of iRacing, although I've taken a break the last couple of weeks, which is kind of the culmination of when I started sim racing at the beginning of uh shall we call it lockdown one um (laughs) (laughs) i i kind of thought right i better no i better do something to stop myself going crazy and i started doing sim racing and the idea was that i'd eventually i would graduate up to uh i racing when i felt like i wasn't going to ruin everyone's race um and so i kind of moved up to i racing about a month and a half ago now, I'd say maybe a bit longer than that, actually. And and that's been really eye-opening, and uh, I've really enjoyed that. A lot of people don't like the subscription model involved in iRacing, but I've also, conversely, had people who uh, you know haven't really seen iRacing before. When I was streaming, there was one person uh, who said, actually, I've spent exactly the same amount as that on World of Warcraft in one year. And I kind of, that's how I see it, is that it's kind of investment in a long-term experience. It feels like, for me, as a frustrated race driver who never quite got to do it, um, but did have family who did it, this is this is like a worthwhile investment. It feels like I'm going racing at the weekends, which is kind of a dream come true. So, And the fact that I can do it right now when it's actually not happening out in the real world anymore so is how, how mm-hmm. does the subscription model actually work how much do you end up paying well i did so they they have these really enticing offers for beginners where i think you can either buy like the one i got was like half price whichever tier you bought into so you could buy a month or three months or six months or it's like a year or two years and the year one uh, the two year one ended up with the discount being about a hundred quid um so i've got like i think it's is it about it works out at about a five or a month or something like that if that haven't that's really not too bad it's it's not bad i mean once you that's if you you know that's okay if you have the disposable cash to flash a hundred quid for you know knowing you're not going to have to pay a sub for the next two years but you know if you're if you don't have a huge amount of money and you know you've got enough to buy a month and then you're on the full sub for the rest of your life it might be different the other thing that happens is that i mean you get a reasonable amount of content for uh, when you subscribe at first you've got enough to do you get a couple of cars and quite a few tracks um and that should allow you to do uh, at least a couple of seasons, I think, and a season lasts thirteen weeks. And the idea is that it's encouraging you to focus on one car rather than jumping from car to car. So you learn the car, you learn the yeah. tracks, 
And as a result, the quality of racing is better. They have a whole thing about matchmaking and the quality of driving in terms of, you know, getting rid of people who are crashing into the back of you deliberately and all that kind of stuff as well, which I feel is well worth paying for in order to, you know, eventually get out of that. When you start, you end up in, in rookie class and rookie class is just a melee. It's, it can be horrendous. But as you move away from rookie class, the racing gets better and people tend to not want to smack you, you know, in, in the rear bumper at all. So it's it gets better. But there is there is an additional expense in terms of if you want to move on, if you want to do the higher level races, if you want to do endurance racing, things like that, you're probably going to have to buy a car. Cars cost about 12 quid each. You're going to have to buy a track. Tracks cost about the same. You may have to buy a couple, depending on how many you have. Fine with that. I see it as a commitment. I see it as if I was doing a real race, if I was racing for real, I'd be paying for the car. I'd be paying entry fees for uh, each race that I went into. There would be all sorts of horrendous expenses uh, to do with that. And so I kind of see it as kind of equivalent so i see that as analogous to buying a car for a season and buying a couple of tracks i kind of see it like that yeah and in terms of the sense of competition and stuff i haven't had the the feeling i get from at the start of a race in i racing uh, i i used to be reasonably accomplished sportsman i used to play hockey at a, at a quite a high level i tried tried out for scotland and all that and i i can honestly say i haven't had that kind of rush since then uh, until i started doing eye racing so there's there's something about it uh, that certainly for me is fitting in really well how does it work in terms of commitment to races so do you have to be on at a particular time do you stick with the same group of people and that sort of thing you, you end up started so so the way it works is that it starts to see how good you are based on the times and your places in other races and what happens is that so for example i race in the, the global mx5 championship at the moment and that there's a race which generally lasts about 20 minutes uh, and that starts at on the hour every hour like clockwork 24 hours a day and what that does is it makes sure that everybody who's in that championship is there at the same time which means the matchmaking has a massive pool of people to to pull from and eventually it starts putting uh, people who are kind of very close together in the same split and when that happens you start to get really good racing and that's when you can start to kind of uh, make your way up the kind of up into the upper echelons if you're good enough. I, I, I'd say, so each race tends to have, I don't know, about 15, 15 to 16 people in it. And I would say there's probably a good, every time I've gone on, there's probably a good 10 to 12 splits racing. Um, but that's it, like no matter what time of day. Yeah. So you've got like a, a good bunch of committed people always there that racing and you do tend to see eventually you'll see the same people but yeah it's it's been a bit of an eye-opener and i've really enjoyed it but you know there's no argument it's definitely an unusual uh monetization strategy and it's it's a hell of a commitment but i'm fine with it yeah sounds good other than that 
what else have we been playing? I had a little go with the Pathless, but not enough to say anything other than it's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, and a very interesting game. He was the artist for Journey. Okay. Um, and also did, uh, God, Ab- my, uh, Abzu. Yeah. Abzu's, yeah. Um, that's his latest. And it's, it's really good. It's, it seems much bigger than Abzu was. Um, and it's, it's quite satisfying when you get to grips with moving around with the arrow, the bow and arrow and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but I haven't played anything near enough to, to make any kind of judgment. Let's move on to the, um, the big launches and, um, we can talk through some of the games there. So PS5 and Xbox Series XS have both launched. Yay! In our homes, the behemoths <laughs> that they are. <laughs> so well, you have more than me. Yes, I've got both. You've just got the PS5 so far. Yeah. Um, so let's let's start with the PS5 and the overall impressions. And it's really nice. It's a proper new generation. It's mm-hmm. got a great feel to it. There's some really nice design features like the controller has been updated in a way that improves on the old controller, adds some new features, and the OS is also new. Um, and whilst it takes a bit of getting used to, it's I think it's a solid base. It's lacking a few features like folders that would be nice or a better way to organise your games. Yeah. But the additional features like the activity cards and the way you can navigate around and the sort of cleanness of the interface that, that games are just there front and centre. It's just like a, a big menu of games, really. Yeah, <laughs> it, well, it, it's it's absolutely frictionless in terms of... it. Well, is that true? I, initially, it was quite difficult to find certain things, like how to contact friends and all that kind of stuff, but that's the same with any new interface, I think. Yeah. Once once you understand where everything is, I, I feel like it's far more frictionless than certainly the previous console but you know it's it's definitely far less friction than the, the xbox experience has been as well so yeah i i'm impressed with it i i have let we should state straight up though that there have been issues yeah thing you know i'm personally i'm still terrified of using rest mode still terrified of plugging in an external storage i, I still don't know if the, those have been fixed i haven't been using external storage um, just because we, we benefited from the one week of US beta testing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we knew that there were potentially some issues with external storage and rest mode. Um, I have been using rest mode recently, not with a game actually running, but just leaving it to update things and stuff. And that's been uh-huh. fine. I've only had one issue with Demon Souls not starting up cleanly. And a power off, power on resolved that. But I know right. other people have had more issues than that. We've had a couple of OS updates, so I don't know whether they're they're fully gone away. You'd think that you'd see some headlines yeah. saying it's safe now. You can you can rest your console. I don't know. They, they've never really admitted that there is an issue. So yeah, saying that I we know. fixed it would be an admission. I think it would just be yeah, it kind of works now. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm in my head. I'm gonna leave that six months. Yeah, just I'd like, to see. I'm getting close to my limits of the SSD drive, 
which yeah. is um, means I'd quite like to buy a new one, but we don't have one available yet. No. So it's, it's when they've ratified something and that's gone through the not available fee, um, process. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because everything's not available. Even, I mean, controllers, they're still coming, but I've been trying to get hold of a um, charging dock. Yeah, can, me too. Can yeah, get those for love, not money. <laughs> um, I do have a pair of the Pulse 3D headphones, which are really, really good for what? 90 quid yeah i what i'm impressed with when when because both you and gordon have them i believe and um it's the quality of the mic given that the mic is just a hole on the side of the uh the ear cup um it's the mic is really impressive it's got an extra little speaker Sorry, an extra mm-hmm. little mic that it uses for noise cancellation as well. Right, okay. So, um, yeah, it, it's really nice and it, it's nice to just put on headphones and um, it mutes the telly for you and you're straight in. And the 3D yeah. audio works really nicely with it as well. Mm, yeah, although worth saying, it does work. The 3D audio works with other headphones. Yeah. Because I got, I got a, a nice set of Corsair Virtuosos which you need to stick a USB dongle in, which is a bugbear of mine. They don't have enough USB slots on that thing. Again, um, especially if you've got VR plugged in the back, uh, yeah. it's it's annoying. However, yeah, play, playing Demon Souls with the 3D audio and certainly in the the first area where you're sneaking past the kind of cliffside, trying to get underneath these two dragons who are both breathing fire at you and you can hear it above your head somehow. Yes. It's just terrifying. And the, the bridge runs as well where you've got dragons breathing fire down there. They're um, added dimension. One thing I've noticed actually is with this, because we've got a Sonos beam as our uh, kind of main speaker in the in the living room. Yeah. And I actually getting a reasonable amount of directional information off of that when I'm playing PS5 games. It's not meant to be fully done yet. or They're, they're not <laughs> supporting 3D audio through TVs, but it's something they've got planned. So yeah. even with a stereo TV um, mm. or soundbar, they should be able to at least give you a sweet spot where you'll be able to get some sort of 3D effect. I was I was using a soundbar the other day on... Um, Demon Souls and got similar experience that you could you could definitely get a, a reasonable amount of directional yeah beyond the beyond the size of this the sound bar yeah. it was it was really weird you know I was so Rachel was playing Demon Souls earlier on she's on holiday now and uh, I was like because she's she's quite bad at listening generally just bad at listening but bad <laughs> at listening to the games and and I was like I can. I was telling her I could hear something coming from the right when we were sitting on the sofa. And she turned around to the right and lo and behold, there was something coming at her. And she's like, how did you know? (laughs) (laughs) A couple of the OS features that stand out for me, activity cards and the SSD. But they're kind of how well the activity cards work is linked to the SSD for me. So the SSD makes the OS and in general game loading um, getting into games, playing stuff as quickly as possible, mm. really good. 
um, and that changes a lot of how and what you decide to play. Um, and linked into that, we've got these activity cards, which are up to the developers to set up. Yeah. But if it's suited to the game type and they've done the work to put them in, then it's a really nice way to jump around in a game or to start a game in the mode or the the level that you want to start at. Some people have been linking them to trophies so that you can work on a particular trophy and go jump straight in. Yeah, that's quite good. Single-player multiplayer is just a kind of basic one that they can support. Yeah, it would be nice. At the moment, it seems relatively inconsistent as to uh, not necessarily the functionality, but uh, how much effort different developers put into these cards. Yeah, I, I would think, say. I think we're going to see very good support from the Sony Studios, dependent the publisher and developer for other stuff. I've noticed yeah. that you can get different activity cards depending on whether you've got the game running or not as well. So Spider-Man in particular, if the game's not running, then they're fairly generic sort of trophy-based yeah. ones. Once the game's actually running, then they switch to particular activities for your, your loaded game. And oh, it, it's even got some of the stuff like um, side mission over here. It'll take you about 10 minutes, which is a really nice addition that they can put into some of these as well. Yeah. To be honest, that kind of thing would be quite good in an Assassin's Creed game. Yes. Just to keep you focused, you yeah. know, so you don't... It's that kind of thing where it comes in handy, I think. Yeah. One one of the things that I quite like is... So in Demon Souls, you, you've got this kind of... You can bring up a card for the area you're in and it has a, a little tutorial, <coughs> pardon me, of the, the things you can do. Um, And they've kept it quite spoiler-free. So it'll say you can go here there's something in this general area that you might want to find, blah, blah, blah. Be careful about, in quotes, something. You know, it's generally quite, it's it's non-specific enough that it doesn't spoil the game for you. Yeah. But then the the Immortals Phoenix Rising ones are outrageously specific. Uh. <laughs> it's You might as well just go to GameFAQs, you know, and it's it, it kind of defeats the purpose. Um, I, I think there's going to be very much a difference between how some of these, uh, some of the bigger developers deal with this, uh, and and Sony uh, deals yeah. with this. It would be interesting if Microsoft added something similar, because that would, at least for the third party studios, make it a bit more worth their while to invest the time doing it. Because I I, I see it a bit similar to achievements when they first came in how well they were supported of supported and how creatively they were supported. Yeah. Varied a lot game to game. You just had some games that would you'd basically get all the achievements by working your way through the game. And then other other people would set up achievements to give you new ways to play the game or new ways to think about how you might approach something. Yeah, I mean Crackdown still has one of the best achievements ever or yeah, it's achievements on Xbox uh, ever made. And that was from what was it? Three sixty. Yeah. So yeah, that was a you got an achievement for setting up a hundred exploding barrels in a row, and then setting off the explosion. <laughs> and yeah, so you know, the more imaginative they can be, the better. But I, again, you know, that was effectively first party, 
and you never really saw anything like that you know much at all from third party devs you know i'm still still fairly skeptical about it but i i, I do like the the way that you know the the card system works here it's it's very good um on to the controller specifically astro's playroom and how well that supports some of the features of the controller it's a lovely little game um it was one of the best psvr games available and they've given them a bit more license to create this pack in some people call it a demo it demonstrates the controller but it's a decent sized game in itself i've platinumed it and it took me about six hours to get through um and, I, and it's hugely enjoyable uh, as well as having lots of interesting asides and references to um classic playstation games of pa- the past just a quick aside yep um, you mentioning took you about six hours to get through. One of the most terrifying things they've added to the PS5 OS <laughs> is yep. that you can see how long you've been playing certain games for, including back on the PS4. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, without taking into account the PS3 games, like the original Demon Souls and Dark Souls, looking at all the Souls games, I have something like... I think it's 1,600 hours in Souls games. So it's terrifying. (laughs) But you've loved it all. Yeah, I have. Even the the failed um, soul retrieval runs. Yeah, but I mean, if if you're already having some kind of existential crisis, don't look at that feature. (laughs) Sorry, that was a total uh, aside. Yeah. Um, so the controller in Astro's Playroom, it it uses the idea of the game being based around a console itself. But then each of the levels, it kind of picks up on some feature of the controller, um, like the adaptive triggers, um, like the rumble, um, and finds a new and interesting way to use it. Hmm. And some of the stuff is is could be spun off into much larger games or much larger sections of a game. So I hope that the the team behind it, which are um, PlayStation Studios Japan, are mm-hmm. given a bit more time to do something bigger, or maybe even something new. But they've clearly got some um, talented people there. Yeah, I'd say just in terms of character and it just a sense of fun. It's the closest Sony have come to matching Nintendo. Yeah. Um, just that kind of joyful play uh, kind of aspect of things. Just generally everything you do in a game making, you smile. Yeah. Um, it was, it's really impressive. And just to go through some of the um, the triggers, uh, one of the um, most impressive bits of the mm. new controller being able to provide resistance, being able to provide sort of a, a stopping point on the on the trigger and to vary resistance. It's, it's just very clever and it can really change a game and the feedback you're getting from the game as well. Yeah, it, that's, it actually just reminded me one other game that I've been playing was WRC 9. That got really very impressive PS5 upgrade. Uh, and just in terms of frame rate and lighting and resolution and detail and all that kind of stuff, really beautiful game. Uh, but the use of the controllers 
absolutely phenomenal. It's probably outside of Astro's Playroom, I'd say it's the best use of the dual sense so far. In terms of just the rumble, uh, I do, do they have a name for the rumble? Because I, I keep on wanting to call it HD rumble, which is um, Nintendo. It's haptics and I've forgotten the name of the technology. It's not just how ordinary rumble's done. And in fact, no. it's another step above the HD rumble, but. It's the same company, though. Yes, it's the it's actually the same tech company that Nintendo bought from that Sony. Yes, app. but yeah, in, in terms of the so in terms of the kind of rumble feature, which is incredibly detailed with WRC nine. Say, for example, uh, like just driving on snow feels entirely different. You can feel all the little details of driving on snow compared to driving on tarmac, or even different kinds of rum uh, of gravel. You can. You can tell the difference between each surface, which is really quite impressive. Um, but you can tell when you're losing grip. You can tell when you're going across ruts. So, for example, you might be uh, the the road might be rutted on snow or on mud or whatever. And as you're going around a left hander, you would slide out toward to the outside towards the right. And what you'll feel is you'll feel the kind of this directional rumble moving from one side of the pad across your hands to the other. And what you would get is the sense of you'd feel like some rumble going in the same direction as your car is, as you're as you feel the you know the road surface. Um but then you'd feel the the ruts passing in the opposite direction at the same time as you cross over them. And it was like it blew my mind how that could possibly be. <laughs> it's like you know you can you can actually feel so much detail of the road surface through it and then you have uh, the use of the triggers and you've got certainly mostly with the brake is where you feel the um as the brake gets more worn it gets harder to pull down the brake trigger but also yeah. there's little details that they've added that feels natural the the detail that doesn't feel quite so natural is say for example the engine's blown you start to feel it there's a sticking point with the trigger suddenly where you have to push past it to get any acceleration, which doesn't necessarily feel like it might feel if that happened in a car, your pedal would still go down without resistance, Yeah, but you wouldn't accelerate. And it's giving, I guess the resistance is there to tell you something in that case. So you're kind of having to learn the language as well. But once you do, it just feels it actually, I feel like I'm faster with the Dual Sense. Definitely faster with the Dual Sense than the the Dual Shock Four. But I actually think I'm faster with the Dual Sense than I am with the steering wheel because I've got so much information to play with. That's seriously impressive for a driving yeah. game to allow that. Given that normally the wheel, once you're used to it, would be superior. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely would be. I definitely feel like like I feel like I can feel when the traction is, and when I'm when I start to lose traction, I get wheel spin. I can feel that in my hands enough that I can let go of the trigger a little bit to get more traction back, and that's something that you don't get. I, I mean, only the the most expensive set of pedals will give you that sensation, uh, which I clearly don't have, um, and the DualShock <laughs> never did. So it it's it's really interesting. It's an interesting experience, right? Demon Souls. We've already touched on it a few times. Yeah, we're both big fans of the original, mm-hmm. both imported from the Far East, um, mm-hmm. and loved the game originally. I've played through it multiple times. 
Now it's come to PS5 by done by Bluepoint um, and done as a remake rather than a remaster. I think it, it fully lives up to being a remake. Um, and it's just fantastic. It is. It's a, it, I think it's a masterpiece. I, I actually, I, what they've done is granted one of my gaming lifetime wishes, which was I, I, I kind of wished I could experience the Demon, uh, Demon Souls again as if it was the first time. Yeah. And somehow they've managed to do that. It's, it's an incredible game. It's an incredible remake. It, it looks wonderful. It sounds amazing. Um, and I think sound is, is more than half the experience with Demon Souls. And the, and the combat is somehow improved. It's, and I don't think it's just frame rate. I don't think it's sticking to 60. I think it's to do again with the information you get, but it's the information they put in an awful lot of work into the animations this time around for it, for each different weapon. And I think that conveys an awful lot of what you have to do in order to win. Uh, an encounter that that kind of wasn't there with the original. Yeah, the original. You, you've also explained it as it being how you remember the original. Yeah, as well, which is is really good praise for a game because it, it was PS3. Um, yeah, and if you go back to it now, you need really, really red, rosy tinted glasses <laughs> to um, appreciate it. Some of its its points, it can look quite rough. But at the time, it felt so immersive and visually the the themes and the design helped pull you into the world. Yeah. And for them to recreate that feeling and make it feel like you're wearing the rosiest rose-tinted glasses <laughs> to play the game again says a lot about how much care and attention they put into the game. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, that's it's. There's a lot of love went into that that remake. I think, and you can see it in every pixel. It's um definitely my game of the year. Yeah, uh, without a doubt. One thing that has transpired as the the launches have gone through is there's been some slightly surprising for some performance comparisons between the PS5 and the Xbox Series X, in that there isn't really this gap that some were expecting between the two. Microsoft had been touting most powerful console ever and sometimes switching back to most powerful Xbox. But there is definitely a a teraflop difference between the two machines and people were expecting that to be shown in the initial games and it hasn't been there. And in fact, the PS5 has been performing slightly better in in most comparisons of third-party stuff, which is interesting. Um, And it kind of shows the level to which the graphics have become and the importance of all of the stuff around the graphics as well in terms of shifting data around um, and performing efficiently, which is, I think, what the PS5 has had as a core part of its system design. I think that Xbox has been a little bit behind in terms of tools, but there's also several in the know people have said that actually the tools for PS4 have always been better and they expect that to continue for PS5 as well. Yeah. And the approach Microsoft had taken of we've got the Xbox Series X, Series S and PC environment all kind of contained within a, and in fact Xbox One as well, contained within a single environment 
development environment obviously has good advantages for developers in supporting so many different platforms. But you'd think that that approach is also going to leave some performance on the table. But it'll be interesting to see how things progress. Yeah, I, I think they're they're kind of looking at this gen as the gen where they get to brute force everything. Yeah. It's, you know, you've it, it, with PC development, you've, I've always felt like if we're, if we're, when it's been PC only, you, you kind of feel like uh, developers wait for tech to arrive and and think less about optimization. Yeah. Whereas with with consoles, it's it's always been the other way around. And I I, I do kind of think that this gen, I think that optimization isn't going to be so much of an issue. I think that there's a a lot of brute force available now uh, yeah. on both platforms. Yeah. I think we'll, uh, we should see indies as well. Not having to where they haven't got the resource to put into optimization still being able to get very good performance out of the machine yeah with with less effort shall we say yeah i mean um, cyberpunk kind of works on a ps5 <laughs> i'm not gonna say anymore <laughs> we'll get on to that later um one of the other things that was probably a surprise for the PS5 launch was how well it does backwards compatibility. So we were kind of expecting stuff to work. And in fact, it, it was kind of question marks over how much was going to work and whether there would be any enhancements. But actually, it does work for the vast majority of games mm. um, and things improve. So it, it's able to chuck a bit more of its power at the the games rather than just slowing itself down to seem like a PS4 or a PS4 Pro and you're getting more consistent frame rates, you're getting dynamic resolution scaling staying closer to the, the top end than the lower end. And a number of games have had minor updates that allow unlocked frame rates to mean that games used to struggle to hit 30 and now hitting 60 on the PS5, which makes them a, a lot nicer to play. Yeah. I'm quite keen to. I, I'm probably going to go for 1,700 hours by playing Bloodborne, um, <laughs> uh, just to see because that's uncapped, isn't it? Um, I'm not is sure it? it is. No, oh. I think it, it's 30. So it needs a patch of some sort or <clears throat> blue point. Come on, <laughs> you know you want to. <laughs> I d I don't know if they can just they could justify a patch. I don't think they could justify well, a remake. I think that there may be a PC version coming. Right. And if they redo things for a PC version, then they could also then release those similar updates for a PS5 version. Yeah, that makes sense. So it'd be a lighter, more of a remaster than a remake. Yeah. Like Demon's Souls was, but that would be fine. So generally, if you're going to get the most out of it, if you're playing a game that is in some way uncapped, whether that be resolution or frame rate. Yeah. Um, and at the very least, it should play things more consistently. Yeah. Drop less frames and play them at the PS4 Pro standard as well, where available. Yes. We've got a little mention of remote play, which you've been trying. Out. Yeah, I tried remote play. Remote play was, it was really impressive. Now I went, I didn't bother with wireless. I've had people say it was okay with wireless where, where they were. Um, I've got quite a few walls to go through. So generally yeah. I like to play uh, with power line 
connections where, where I can. Yeah. And so I had the PS5 down in the opposite corner of, of our house in the living room. And I've got the PS4 up in our bedroom. And I just plugged them both in the power line. And honestly, I couldn't really detect much lag at all. The picture was really good. Certainly good enough for, we don't have a 4K telly in our bedroom. We've got a 1080p one. Um, yeah. And I was playing Immortals, Phoenix Rising. And it just just felt immediate. It felt like I was playing, uh, you know, without streaming. It didn't feel any different. Interestingly, I was playing with a DualShock 4. So, you know. <laughs> Why can't you just use your DualShock 4 on this PS5? You know, it annoys me that bit, but never mind. It would save a, a lot of hassle trying to find a hard-to-find DualSense uh, controller. But other than that, it's fine. Yeah, no, re- Remote Play was uh, very impressive. Uh, at some point, uh, hopefully in a vaccinated future, I'll go somewhere out and about a coffee house and see how good it is just connecting to Wi-Fi in uh, some other part of the country kind of linked to that they've enhanced some of the game sharing stuff which they showed off when they did the ui introduction a little Mm -hmm. while ago and we've been using it so you can basically share your screen and another person can view it and so while we've been playing ghosts legends Mm-hmm. Ghost of Tsushima. Um, we've been sharing our screens to each other, and you basically have a little picture-in-picture picture of your co-op partner's screen and can see what they're doing, and it works surprisingly well. Yeah, that's that's a little. I I kind of always think of it as it with these new interfaces, you kind of need a little touch of the future in them to for for them to really sparkle, and that's that's the little futuristic touch. As far as I'm concerned, is is that little bit there? I I loved that, and it works particularly well with stealth games, co-op games like that. Yeah. Um, so so you can kind of have this kind of wordless, almost word wordless co-op thing where you're, you know, it's a stealth game. You're holding your breath. You don't want to be talking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, yeah, that works fabulously well. I'm very impressed by that. The other thing I've used that for is with Worms Rumble, where mm-hmm. we had four people in a PS5 party wanting to play, but the game only supports three in the game party. So we made sure at least two of us shared our screen, and then we just sort of switched somebody in and out of the game party as and when people needed to do something else or, or just to keep it fresh. And it would, it felt more like going around a friend's place, everybody sitting on the couch mm. playing a game couch co-op and swapping controllers and waiting your turn but being able to watch the other people play and it, it again it just worked really well even just swapping people in and at the party just all nice and seamless keeping everybody involved yeah allowed us all to play or watch and and carry on chatting and enjoying the game so yeah that works really nicely and has a number of different uses what i'd like to see is that extended I'd love what I'd love to see is like let's say I'm playing Destiny and I'm all I'm doing is strikes and I don't need to hear any story beats or I don't need to hear the music. I just want to, you know, grind away some levels and, and do some strikes. I'd love to be able to have something up in the corner, like the I don't know, the current Formula One race if it's running live or or something, you know, on it, it's to use that kind of picture in picture 
functionality in some clever way with the media apps that they've got there, which are in a separate section of the interface. I'd love to see that. Yeah, that, that kind of goes back to the old Snap functionality that used to be on the Xbox One at launch. Yeah, it annoyed me when they got so rid of that. Snaps. <laughs> <laughs> was that always you could never do a really picture in picture with that it was kind of at the edge yes yeah that's right you can have, yeah but it, it it did work and it was it was quite handy yes. sometimes you know if you were just playing something mindless it was quite nice to have that you know i don't know the race on or or whatever well, there might be a clever way to do it somehow yeah but yeah I mean, they, they do picture-in-picture um, game help. Yeah, exactly. Which I'm assuming links through to some hidden YouTube channel somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine it would be something like that. Let's move on to the Xbox Series X slash S yeah. launch, which was a week earlier in the UK, mm-hmm. more or less. You don't have one yet? Nope. I do. It feels a bit more like a PC upgrade in that you get a new GPU or you get a new motherboard and you slot it in and all of your stuff plays nicer, it plays quicker, but there's still a very familiar feel to it. And Yeah, and I'm not saying this in any kind of really, truly derogatory way, but every single PC upgrade I've ever had has been ultimately slightly disappointing <laughs> because it's yeah. still a Windows machine. It still looks the same. It's still, do you know what I mean? And it's, but... You know, it gives you continuity. Yes. And I said, it is weirdly, even though it's the same old, same old in some ways, it's very new for console manufacturers. Yes, that's true. So it's the it's the approach that I think we sh- should be watching more closely just to see how well it does. Yeah. And I could see potentially Microsoft going full. So last generation, halfway through, or just over halfway through, we had refreshes. But it was just under and just over, mm-hmm. depending on whether you're Sony or uh, Microsoft. I think that they've kind of got this idea that maybe they could uh, do slightly more frequent refreshes every couple of years, maybe. It wouldn't surprise me if it's yearly, a la mobile phones. No. OS-wise, it again has gone for the familiarity, keeping it similar to what you've already got. In fact, more or less the same. There are a couple of little features that are series specific, one of which is quick resume, which did have some issues at the beginning, um, but is a lot better and more um, stable now. So whereas previously you could quick resume one game, you can now do five or six, something like that on the Xbox series. That's pretty cool. It gets around potentially not being able to save. Um, It gets around just flipping between games and going back to where you were, depending on whether it's an online game or whatever. But um, it also makes everything load up really nice and quick. So actually doing a quick resume is a lot quicker than loading up a game normally for a lot of games. Right. Um, Because it just basically dumps stuff to memory and pulls in the other one from memory and carries on. It was a little bit wobbly at first and they had to disable it working on some games it's still not quite there but it's mostly there and it does work very quickly as well um you can switch about things and think in fact switching about between older backward compatibility titles 
can be surprisingly quick as well because it's got less memory to dump and pull in. It's not, not something I've used massively because it's not the way I tend to play games. I tend to get to a point. It's rare that I haven't got to a point where I can just save off. Yeah. And I like the, uh, the, the knowledge that I've saved off and it's not, it's going to work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Generally. But it, it does suit a lot the way that the younger folk play games these days. <laughs> <laughs> and it will also survive a power off as well. Really? It's just dumped it to, to SSD, oh. then power back on, and then you can go back to whichever games you've got hidden. I think it, it's lacking for me. It's lacking some features in that you can't turn it off. So it's reserved some of your SSD for that right. functionality, whether you want to use it or not. And you can't control which games it puts in there and which games are, are left in there. Right. Um, so it's just basically done on a not being used in a while basis, I think. So it'd be nice to have a bit more fine control over which turning it on and off for games or making sure particular games stay resident that you want to keep. Yeah, I can imagine. You see what I, mean? I can imagine, say, for example, you've got a shared Xbox Series S in a flat. Yeah. And you're playing a game, you go off on holiday for two weeks, your flatmates play three or four games in the meantime and you've lost your quick resume yeah that would be not good <laughs> but it does provide so on the playstation 5 the activity cards go some way towards this and the general speed with which a lot of games load from fresh so you're getting similar performance in a lot of games by using an activity card to boot up a game straight to where you want mm-hmm without the overhead of losing SSD space. On the PS5, it, it won't cover all games and not all games load nice and quick, but it's it's prov- provides similar functionality in a different way. Yeah. But it is impressive. The other thing that's very impressive about the Xbox Series X is backward compatibility. It works. It provides similar enhancements and updates to games that, PlayStation 5 is doing in terms of more stable frame rates, unlocked frame rates go up. You've also um, got auto HDR, don't you? Yes, auto HDR is an interesting one. So this is something that some TVs have got as well. Oh. But if you enable it on your TV, you will get lag. Right. So having it built into the OS and having it do it in a way that doesn't add lag to games is definitely nice. And for the most part, it works very well. Makes things just a bit brighter and a bit more, give it some more pop. There are some other things coming in backwards compatibility. I think there's, there was originally talk of automatically enabling frame rate boosts, even where the game only previously has a lot 30 frames per second. Right. So not requiring a patch that hasn't come yet. I, I can imagine there'd be some games where that'd be problematic. The Souls games in particular yes. are, I you know, yeah. everything is based around the frame rate. Exactly. So it's not something that they can just have a fits everything, Yeah, works with everything approach to. Wasn't there something with the Souls games where your weapons degraded twice as fast at 60 frames per second on the PC? Be, yeah. So when it was released on the PC, it did only work 30 frames per second and... and somebody provided a an update 
an unofficial update that did the 60 frames per second. But yeah, that could have been one of the early mm. issues. But it's something that backwards compatibility is something that the Xbox Series X has something of an edge on mm. and can go back four generations as well. Yeah, and also that, that applies to hardware. So controllers are, you know, backwards and forwards compatible as well, uh, which is it, it is a big advantage. You know, if 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 you're looking at the expense of any one of those consoles, and one of those consoles, you get a free new controller, but any of your old controllers also work. That's something you factor into your costs. Yeah, there is also the approach they've taken where executables effectively can recognise better what hardware they're running on. So when PS5 runs PS4 software, the best it ends up doing is is emulating a PS4 Pro, potentially more stable or with a higher frame rate. We've seen with a couple of game patches for the Xbox One version of games that it's unlocked functionality that isn't hasn't been made available for backwards compatibility on the PS5. So um, 120 frames per second stuff in uh, Rocket League and Call of Duty Warzone right. have come just via a patch to the Xbox One game. Maybe it's partly to do with Xbox One X supporting some of these features previously anyway. Yes. But yeah. I think it's also to do with how the more joined up approach that Microsoft has taken to generations. So that's quite nice. And that also kind of segues into smart delivery. Yeah. And the idea is that you buy a game on one machine and you also get the the newer version when you end up with that box. And when smart delivery was announced, I was a little bit churlish um, <laughs> and thought this isn't, this is just kind of similar to cross buy, isn't it? That's only been doing for years. In fact, from the start of PS4's generation, you got some games where you already had them on PS3, you could get the PS4 version for free. But actually, as there have been issues with a number of different games on PS5 and getting a free upgrade, um, the smart delivery does seem a bit smarter than I initially thought. <laughs> and it does seem to just work, which is really nice. So you just get the version that's appropriate to the machine you're downloading it on. Yeah, the, the PS5 way of doing things is is fairly confusing. Uh, in yeah. fact, it was impossible with Destiny uh, 2. It was impossible not to download both versions. Yeah, um, I ended up having to delete or stop one. In fact, I don't think I could work out, it wasn't easy to work out which version it was it, trying to download currently. Yeah, exactly. It didn't say. So it, it there's, it's only have a bit of work to do in terms of just me, it, surfacing that information really. Because uh, it was, yeah. it, it was an unnecessary confusion I felt. Um, especially when it's quite a big game and storage is at a premium. You yeah. don't want to be downloading two versions of the same game if you can avoid it. No, I think there's probably people out there who are still playing the PS4 version on their PS5 as well. Yeah. That don't really realise or understand that that's going on. I think, yeah, Microsoft lacked a standout title that was their own. Mm -hmm. They've relied too heavily on third-party stuff. And it's going to be a good while before there is 
some stuff. But I, th- I think it, it, uh, the flip side of that is uh, I think actually they have a very good chance once things start coming out of this new pipeline that they've managed to make that they're going to be on a par with Sony with the stuff they make because they have some pedigree in it. Uh, oh, yes. Now. Yeah, so they, they, they've they got the studios now. I think my, my point is more that they didn't have anything ready for the launch of this generation. Um, yeah. And they it's not kind of snuck up on them or anything. <laughs> um, no, I mean, they started this process. I've said this before. They started this process. They were the first people, the first platform holder to show their new console yeah. well over a year ago. Yeah, they kind of had Halo as their big title, and that's not arrived. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I still feel that a lot of the criticism that came their way about that was, was, wasn't was really well-founded. I, no. I still feel it. Uh, Gameplay-wise, it looked good. I, I felt like the... there's the And I keep on thinking back to Digital Foundry and the way that they declare certain things, certain artistic choices as being technically lacking. So I remember them talking about the HDR treatment in Red Dead Redemption 2. Yeah. And that was clearly an aesthetic choice. And yet they kept on saying, oh, this HDR is wrong. Yeah. Um, And I kind of feel like that's fed into this attitude that certain aesthetic choices are just technically bad. And I felt like that's what happened with the Halo criticism. I felt like that what you had there was an aesthetic choice and it harkened back to the look and feel of the original Halo because it was meant to be, it was meant to mimic the launch of the original Xbox. It was meant to be a reboot of everything. Yeah. I just think it's ridiculous that they've had to go away for another year now. And the reason they're going away for another year is now isn't because they're having to just fix some graphical issues. They're having to come up with a new aesthetic. Yeah. I think that they also there is there is an issue underlying that um, mm. things weren't really as ready as the top level people thought it was, or it wasn't as fixable as the top level people thought it was. The slice that we saw in the um, the demonstration was something that they'd worked hard to get ready, and so I think that the the overall game graphics aside will benefit a lot from the extra time that they're given oh no doubt no doubt i i just feel like it was a a felt foul of the the console wars i feel i don't i don't think it needed to be quite as heavily criticized as it was no i think that microsoft could have had more stuff ready in particular some of the stuff that they showed at the um the game awards but Brings us nicely on to the Game Awards, <laughs> um, which... <laughs> oh, before we move on, yes. uh, one thing, just uh, just one thing I just wanted to say, because we didn't cover it with the PS5, and I, I'm assuming it's exactly the same with the Series X, is how the SSD affects how you play a game. Yeah. So in Demon Souls, for example, a trip... So say you were uh, out and you wanted to go back to the Nexus to, to get stuff and get back out to where you were. The original game, that would be a four-minute round trip. Now, without taking into account talking to NPCs in the Nexus, getting back to the Nexus and back to the Archstone you started from is probably five seconds. Yeah. And so you're 
the way that you play the game as a result is entirely different. It, you're not so reticent to go back and get stuff. You know, and that and it's not just Demon Souls that this ha- this happens with. I, you know, even just fast traveling in any game would still take you. You know, depending on the game, it could take an age. It wasn't really fast travel. Uh, now, now it is. It's almost instantaneous, and that really does yes. change and remove friction from almost every game I've played in in this new gen. And it. It affects backward compatibility titles as yeah. well. They are um, launching quicker. They're loading quicker. You get tips coming up on the loading screens. You don't have time to <laughs> yeah, read. Yeah, Destiny 2. People try to like, what's that? Armour 2. What? Armour 2. What? And it's, it's gone. <laughs> um, it's hard, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. The Game Awards. Um, they happened recently. They were presented by... Um, Jeff, mm-hmm. what's his surname? Jeff, somebody who insists, um, yeah, that's the one, <laughs> who insists on wearing suits with sneakers, which... <laughs> You've got a real thing <laughs> about that. <laughs> he just looks stupid. <laughs> I mean, maybe if you're like in your early 20s, you pull it off, but he's, he's nearing our age. Yeah, that's true. You shouldn't be wearing a suit with sneakers. Um, but actually, it was really long. It had a pre-show where they gave out awards, <laughs> but it was packed full of content. Yeah. It was, in terms of a show um, and having nice little bits, it ticked along nicely. They kept chucking little trailers at you. It was, it was more new announcements than awards. Yeah. There was big announcements. There were small announcements. There was little indie games sharing the spotlight with bigger ones that I thought was really nice. A couple of initial highlights. Microsoft finally confirmed what the initiative is working on. So the initiative of what the studio they built up over the last two, three yep. years, um, but has taken a little while to get going. And they confirmed what we suspected or what had been rumoured that they're working on a perfect dark title which sounds really good and interesting i don't think we've got much in that genre at the moment um so that'll be good to see the only sort of slightly disappointing aspect of it was it was yet another cgi trailer from microsoft um so it's still a bit of a way out um they have also confirmed flight sim is coming for xbox series x and s next year yeah it's about six months away yeah which is nice. That's one of the titles I think they could have benefited from having it launch. Yeah, definitely. I, I, there's a there's a lot that they have to work into that, though, in terms of uh, support for, uh, uh, for one, support for flight sticks. But, I mean, that shouldn't be bad because that was already decent on Xbox. Um, but also just trying to squeeze what is effectively a, a keyboard game yeah. in onto a joypad is going to be a really difficult uh, task. So... I don't envy them. Um, the interesting no. thing about the Microsoft Flight Sim thing is, so they've just they're just about to drop the VR support and not drop as in launch um, VR support for the PC version. Um, and that was initially just going to be one headset, but they've just decided stuff it will cover everything. So if you've got a VR headset on PC, you should be able to run it if. 
but I think you'd probably need a thirty ninety <laughs> to be able to to be able to do it. Um, but I'm going to give it a try anyway. But the interesting thing was, I reckon that's enough time for them to 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 get VR support on the Series X and S. More more likely the X, to be honest. Uh, get the VR support for those two consoles. Um, there has been. Yeah. A bit of data mining on the, as far as I remember, on the Xbox Series X OS, and they have found reference to VR in there. So uh, it may come to nothing. Almost certainly will come to nothing. However, the timing now uh, of getting VR, which they didn't have to do at all for for this, it would make sense that they're pushing forward to something a few months down the line. So, I, and if that's the case, then I, I mean, I'm thinking about buying a, like a building a beast of a desktop PC for actual decent VR performance. Um, but I'm going to hang on until I see what's happening with the Series X now. And if that's the case, that's when I buy into the Series X. I think that they they had always had this plan that they would wait and see with VR. They'd support it with PCs mm-hmm. via DirectX, etc. Um, and then it should all really be a simpler step to add it to their consoles. Yeah. Was there not some kind of rumour about them having talks with Valve re-Steam as well? Very possibly, yeah. That was a little while ago, yeah. wasn't it? I mean, that's I, that, I could be plucking that out of my arse, so apologies if it's wrong, but um, <laughs> I, could swear, I could swear I saw something about that um, a few months back, which would again make sense. The other interesting point about Flight Sim 4 Xbox Series X and S is that it's been announced for Series X and S and no mention of the Xbox One Xbox yeah. One X. I, I, I'm sorry, but that was just never going to happen. It's it's You need a beast to just run it at a reasonable frame, frame rate. My I've got a 20, 2070 in my laptop and I, I have trouble. It, going to need a beefy CPU as well which is something that the new consoles really open up for games much much better CPUs but the the idea was that Microsoft were going to continue supporting the Xbox One with all of their first party stuff mm. for the next two years and that's not going to happen. Yeah I wonder if they kind of see Flight Sim as something different that doesn't quite fit in. I don't know I think that they that maybe they just feel now that they need to um, give people a bit more reason to switch up. Yeah. And conversely, Sony played very much on the We Believe in Generations, but some of the stuff that was was coming for PS5 or thought to be PS5 exclusive has ended up being PS4 yeah, as well. Yeah, that, that was a little bit under hand, I felt. They waited until after the yeah. pre-orders to, to go, oh, by the way, you know, Miles Morales is PS4. Yeah, the, the sensible approach is for both of them to do it on a case-by-case basis. Yeah. I think that Microsoft always had a bit of a hard sell with Game Pass because that's their primary way of making money or they see it as the primary way to make money in the future. And it's hard to justify spending a lot of money developing a game that will only work on a small fraction of your Game Pass subscribers' machines. So if you've got 40, 50-odd million Xbox Ones out there, 
and a couple of million Xbox Series somethings. They can't shift all of their development over to the the newer ones when their key benefit is their key delivery mechanism is Game Pass. Encouraging people to go to the newer machines doesn't get them as much. I think this is where xCloud comes in. Yeah, it doesn't get them in as much in the way of marketing share as the more traditional approach being taken by Sony. But yeah, I think I think what you'll find is the all of a sudden that you know Xbox One owners will find an xCloud app on their dashboard at some point in the next year or two as you know generally broadband speeds improve. I think it's it's going to take them a little while to get the hardware in place. So it, it it was a little while after PS4's launch that PS Now started supporting PS4 software, and that's partly because you need to build a load of servers with using the same tech that you're trying desperately to make enough of to fulfill the standard console releases for. But Microsoft has certainly they built into their their APU design server functionality. So it's designed for that and we should see that that coming eventually. Yeah. I mean we've got they've got a workaround coming soon so that you can do XCloud on iOS because uh, Apple's walled garden won't allow it straight off, but I think they're basically going to be, you can get a browser app instead. Yeah. I wonder how long they'll Apple will put up with that. <laughs> and it's mind-blowing to me the PC functionality isn't there already. It, it just yeah. is odd to me that that's not, that's not available, but that's coming around about the same time as well. So I think xCloud is the, the actual thing to watch. Uh, over the next few years. But at the moment, you know, it's quite nice to celebrate all this new hardware. Yeah. Sony showed Returnal and gave it a date. Yes. Which is the game by Housemark. I cannot wait for that. It's. I remember being quite sad when Housemark said they weren't going to do any more shoot-em-ups because yeah, I love their games. But this, this is... I mean, they had their failed attempts at a Battle Royale. And th- this looks like it's kind of a little step back towards the kind of shoot 'em ups that they did, but it does. It it's got kind of a a narrative story that is obviously quite strong yeah. in it. But the action sequences they've shown look a lot like their traditional two D shoot 'em ups, but done in a third person shooter yeah. space. Now, I mean, the only the only game I can think of that's equivalent is the uh, the recent Near uh, game. Which has has the the kind of bullet hell type stuff in it as well. Yeah, I I think that looks really intriguing. I think it's it it seems like it's going to have a really interesting story as well. So I'm I'm hugely looking forward to that. I just love Housemark anyway. So there were a number of other indie titles that were uh, shown during the Games Awards. Any that stood out for you? Yeah. So. First off, I remember we were, it was myself and a couple of the guys from the forum were uh, playing Destiny, if I, th- if I remember rightly. And I had the sound off, but I had the, the, the awards on just to see if there's anything interesting. And I'm like, hang on, is that Dead Space? That can't be Dead Space. And I was like, I, I kind of nearly lost my mind. Because what I could see was on the back of the main character's neck was the kind of green lit health bar. Yeah. Uh, like as in like plugged into his neck. And he was wearing an orange overall. And I was like, oh my God, that's Dead Space. And it turns out it's a Dead Space spiritual successor called the Callisto Protocol, I think. Uh, yeah. By some of the team who had made the original Dead Space games, which are to this day, my favourite horror games. I cannot wait for that. That's That's got me excited. It looks like it's 
it was only CGI. So uh, I, I suspect that's a good long way off, but I was quite pleased to see that that exists. The other thing, I'd heard a, remo- a, a rumor a couple of days before that Capcom had decided to put ghosts and goblins through the RE engine. <laughs> I was like, my mind was spinning. How how does that work? Uh, and, and they have, but they've this so there's a Ghosts and Goblins remake, and it looks wonderful. It looks hand drawn. It's still two D, and it, Ghosts and Goblins is pretty much the only retro game that I still love. I can look at with fond memories. I played the it to death on the Mega Drive. I think it was, and I absolutely love it. I was the sort of person that only got through the first level. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got there. I did get there. Uh, you know, lots of anguish in the process, but I got there. The one that impressed me the most, weirdly enough, although the frame rate was ass, was Crimson Desert. Yes, uh, which is by the Black Desert crew, the the MMO Korean MMO. Okay. It just looks astonishing. I thought at some points, and it, you know, you hear this from your you know older relatives when they see a game. Oh my god, I thought that was real. I re- genuinely did think it was real at a couple of points until I saw the janky frame rate. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was some kind of tech demo initially, but actually, as it went on, it became more involved, and there was more fight sequences, and it, it was a lot more than just somebody moving through a landscape. So. um yeah, definitely want to watch. Yeah, definitely. Um, also, Scottish accents and the lead character is called Macduff, so I'm in. <laughs> um, there were a couple of significant announcements from EA mm-hmm. that there will be a new Mass Effect game released. They're working on a new Mass Effect yeah. game. And there was also a CGI trailer for the next Dragon Age. Yes, both exciting. Uh, although I could have sworn yes. we already knew about the Mass Effect game. There was... They announced that they're doing a remaster of the trilogy, so I'm not sure whether they um, they mentioned something at that point. Maybe or not. we just assumed because they were announced the trilogy that yeah, um, I could have sworn that was that was a thing. Um, also, the new Joseph Farris thing, I think it's called it. It takes two. Yeah, that looks a lot of fun. I, I'm not the the biggest fan of Joseph Farris. I just think he's got a massive mouth. <laughs> Um, As in physically or just uh, just or? Well, you know, I haven't actually measured his mouth, but it have to be some size of the amount of shite that spills out of it. Anyway, um, I ought to mention that some awards were given out as well, um, which The Last of Us 2 won most of. There were there were a couple of awards for um, Ghost of Tsushima, mm-hmm. did quite well, and a few others did quite well. My memory's gone there. <laughs> yeah it's, it's not really the game awards anymore <laughs> no it's show us some trailers yeah I think. it's it's basically gamer christmas close to christmas this time that's basically yes. what it was yeah so the the justifiers thing was good it kind of is it again his focus on co-op i i enjoy that he he really focuses and thinks about how to do co-op differently and this is a very very different uh, take on what he's done before so uh, i i am looking forward to that a couple of other games that worth were worth mentioning were two left for dead if you want to call them clones uh, one was the evil dead which i thought when i saw it initially i was like oh here we go it's just going to be a cash grab but actually it looked like a genuinely fun left for dead clone with all the characters from the evil dead and you can't really 
accuse an Evil Dead game of being a Left 4 Dead clone, given that Left 4 Dead is basically based on Evil Dead. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and you could play as Ash and all that kind of stuff. That looked a lot of fun. And then there was Back for Blood, which is by the team who made Left 4 Dead. So it's effectively Left 4 Dead 3. They had a closed alpha last weekend. Yeah. And feedback is uh, generally just brilliant. Um, it sounds great, much to my, because when I first saw it, I was like, oh my God, please tell me you can play as the monsters. Nobody's talking about it. If you can play as the monsters, please be playing the monsters. Turns out you can play as the monsters. So I'm quite happy. You're sorted. I loved, I loved the whole play as the zombie thing in Left 4 Dead. It was wonderful. So I, I am really looking forward to that. My only worry is uh, Turtle Rock, uh, they, they kind of got, stymied by the publishers with their last game evolve in terms of the various tiers of season passes and dlc and it was really difficult to know what you were getting when you bought in uh, to it and it, it actually cost them an awful lot of sales and evolve was a much better game than the, the sales figures would have suggested i think because of that yeah so i'm a bit worried there they're uh, they've already got a couple of season pass premium editions up for pre-order at an absolutely extortionate price on Steam. Um, so uh, that's a bit concerning. Uh, but I, I'm definitely in on launch day just to experience it when it's got a decent amount of players in there. There was one other thing, uh, and that was Elite Dangerous, the new Odyssey uh, expansion, which is coming. That got shown, a little bit of it got shown and I truly believe that's going to kill Star Citizen, Star Citizen dead. It's got landing on planets, on-foot combat, exploration, all sorts of things. And it all looks really well polished and interesting. And I really don't see how Star Citizen kind of matches it at all. Star Citizen's always had this bizarre way of, of managing to get lots of money out of people. Yeah, buy, here, uh, buy this ship for 10,000 real money. <laughs> yeah. <You know>. What? <laughs> Who does that? It's so bizarre. I, I just think that that looks, that, that's going to drag me back in. Although they refuse to talk about any updates for next-gen consoles, hmm. uh, which is annoying. Okay, right. So we ought to really, before we finish, just have a little chat about Cyberpunk, <laughs> which <laughs> neither of us have bought. No, no, I'm staying well away. I, I don't really want to because... I know we so we should say at the start we have friends on the forum who are playing it and loving it. Yes, all of them are not playing on the PS4 Basic or the Xbox One Basic. No, so we've got one that's playing on PC and another two are playing on PS5, which is kind of brute forcing its way through performance issues and making it a fun game to play. It seems like. Yeah, I think my my issue isn't really with the bugs. My my issue with Cyberpunk is the deception i think i think the 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 way that they had you know it's basically what they said to the reviewers was you can only show the footage we give you in your reviews uh and you can't talk about the ps4 or xbox as far as i can understand that was the thing wasn't it yeah um and they hadn't shown any current gen footage properly at all yeah and a lot of you quite often see a lot of people defending that saying well they shouldn't have gone for the base versions what did they expect and i'm like looking at the site they're commenting on, 
which is absolutely covered in cyberpunk adverts with Xbox logos on them. Yeah. And I just, it, there's something that doesn't sit well from it with me about the way they did that. I think the one good thing that's going to come of it is that, well, okay. So there's, there's one very bad thing that's going to come out of this. And I, I, I hope that CDPR survive this. The, I saw a headline, I think it was this morning or maybe last night that shareholders were going to sue the board. Yeah, that just sounds odd and bizarre. <laughs> so it seems like there's been deception on either side. You know, they, they've just been telling the shareholders everything's fine, telling the pre-order uh, people on Xbox and PS4 that it's, it's going to be fine, and then it's not, and they're like, oh, what a surprise. There is, mm-hmm. there is the little side story of... On the PlayStation side, CDPR basically said, if you want a refund, you can have a refund. Sony's PSN store isn't the best place or the easiest place to get a refund. Yeah. So Sony just kind of went, rather than having the spotlight on that, they just went, take it off. Mm. (laughs) Uh, Which I think was a bit of a surprise to CDPR. I think they expected it to stay on like it has with Xbox. I think... I think that's on CDPR, though. I think that's... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's it's kind of like, um, yeah, you can have a refund. Okay, we'll take it off. What? Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's, you know, that's how it works, but, CDPR. Uh, yeah. I, I think if you you shouldn't be letting people still buy it, although it can still be yeah. bought in retail and it can still be bought and played quite nicely on PS5 and, and Xbox Series X. I think the, the removal from the store is a... a bit more clear in terms of message yeah and stopping people inadvertently buying it when when there is clearly issues yeah i think it's really difficult because i don't think the actual developers the actual people at the cold face deserve any of the stress or the crunch time or or anything else that they've already had and now they're going to get trying to fix it yeah this is not their fault this is no um, the guys at the top, over-promising, flat-out lying, not listening to people telling them uh, when something's ready or not. Yeah. And and they deserve a, a true kick up the ass. And I don't think they'll remain at the top for very long after this. They will likely be made to fix their shit and then they'll be on the way out. What I'm hopeful of, I, well, I really hope that CTPR survive because... You know, much as I've I've always felt like they seemed to get a free pass. You've heard me say this before because boobies. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't think that people are willing to give them that free pass anymore. But I do think that they they are genuinely good storytellers, and I think that yeah. their problem has always been releasing games too early. I think one of the things that they have, so it's really interesting to read about this. There was an article on gamesindustry.biz. So CDPR or CD Projekt rather than CDPR are worth more than Ubisoft, yet they release approximately one game every six years. So their share price, and they floated on the stock market about four or five years ago. So their share price is totally dependent. And and that Ubisoft valuation, if, if you like, is 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 valued on how well The Witcher 3 did and how well they'd been told the Cyberpunk 27 would do. Yeah. So I think that's, it's just a fundamentally problematic model to work around. And it puts an awful lot of pressure on 
a small amount of people and it, and it's totally unfair. I kind of hope they survive because I, I think their work is in the end generally the best in the business. Yeah, I think that the the whole given a pass thing is partly because of the boobies, but also <laughs> that underlying it, you know that there's a good game there. Yeah, um, and, and generally they're quite customer and it friendly. Will, will should get fixed. Yeah, you know they they have a much better attitude to DLC and not ripping people off than other companies have had. Yeah. So it's totally understandable that they have a, you know, a, a staunch fan base. I just think that the guys at the top took advantage of that and that, and that's yeah. extremely damaging. And it, on the flip side, I do think that what we'll see it, it, other corporations, large corporations are going to be watching this. And I think that in general, buggy launches i mean they're not going to be a thing in the past but i think there'll be a, a a tendency to delay rather than push something out you know we've had in the last couple of years we've had anthem go wrong we've had this go wrong i'm sure there's a handful of other games which are were utterly disastrous as well fallout 76 i th- kind of think i hope that the whole broken release system uh, will uh, you know die a death you'd hope so i think it will be a little while yet adding other examples further yeah. back in the generation that you would have hoped would have had the similar effect but yeah once you start seeing how much damage it can do to a, a big company you need to uh sort things out uh, again you know that's a, a lot of cd projects problems come from the fact that they depend on this one game gog.com is owned by them as well isn't it yes i think they've they've kind of got income coming through that route well yeah but they you know their pr people must have been absolutely tearing their hair out over last week because god got themselves into a bit of hot water as well because um there was a game that got itself into trouble with the chinese government devotion oh yes yeah yeah, posters of Winnie the Pooh, and apparently Winnie the Pooh posters are offensive to the Chinese president, whatever it's called, <laughs> which is just bizarre as far as I'm concerned. It's like, you know, the, the mark of a strong person is clearly being offended at a poster of Winnie the Pooh. Um, but yeah, they, so they had, they changed it. This was a, several months ago that that happened. They changed it, and then it was announced that it was going to be released on GOG. Yeah. Four hours later, GOG took it down. Yeah. Saying we've had multiple, we've had calls from numerous gamers, <laughs> and you know, not just the Chinese government. Then, yeah. So yeah, they've they. I feel sorry for the. I generally never feel sorry for PR and marketing people. <laughs> However, <laughs> this time around, they have a little bit of my sympathy. Right, coming soon is our last little section that we normally do, and there isn't a huge amount actually coming soon because it's it's the lull after Christmas. We don't normally get the bigger releases starting up again until about March-ish. Yeah, that's right. So, um, any other business? Um, well, I mean, what are you going to be playing over Christmas, over the Christmas holidays? Um, I am going to be finishing off Spider-Man, the original one, and Demon mm-hmm. Souls. And then I think I'm probably going to move on to Ghosts, the actual main story, yeah. which I haven't done yet. And... Astro has put me in the mood for something a bit more um, 3D platformery type. So I will be also doing the original Ratchet Clank in uh, preparation for the new Ratchet Clank, which is the original ones available on the PS Plus collection. 
Ah, lovely. If you. So everybody with a PS5 and PS Plus has it available to them. Yeah, that's cool. I, I'm going to be uh, probably a fair bit of Destiny co-op, bit of iRacing. I found out today that one of my favourite shoot-em-ups, not by Housemark, by 10 tons, uh, just got launched on the PS5. It's called... Uh, it's ludicrous. Uh, it's, called, it's called Tesla versus Lovecraft. Um, <laughs> and it, you play as Tesla, who has like this amazing mech, and it's a twin stick shooter, and it's completely neon. And you're, I don't know, you're fighting Lovecraft's eldritch beasts all the time. And it's, it's basically like it looks like a migraine. It's, it's so bright <laughs> and flashy and everything. It's wonderful. So that's got a PS5 version, and also the sequel as uh, Tesla Force is also out, which I didn't realize, and that is a PS5 version. So uh, I'm absolutely just overjoyed to see those both because I played the death out of Tesla versus Lovecraft. It's it's a really good, cheap little shmup, which has a huge amount of replay value and looks gorgeous. It's, it's great fun. So I'll be playing that. What else? I'm tempted by Kronos. Have you have I, have I mentioned Kronos before? Yes. It's it's by the guys who did. Oh Christ! What is it called? The shooter roguelike uh, Remnant. Remnant from the ashes. Yeah, and um, it's a prequel to Remnant. Originally, it was a VR game, weirdly enough. Uh, but it's still a third. It's always been a third person kind of Souls like in the style of Remnant and. Uh, the idea is that every time you die, you come back a year later to go again. So you age. Okay. Interesting. It's it's very interesting. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to how that works. That got released on PS4. It's not a PS5 game, but it got released on PS4 uh, about a month ago now. And I, I'm very intrigued by it because, you know, I did love Remnant. I'm intrigued to see how they handle Sword and Shield play instead of gunplay. So that's probably what I'll go for. I'm also quite tempted by Sackboy. Yeah, I think I was going to give Ratchet a go before getting Sackboy. Um, yeah. And hopefully so the, the big sales, end of year sales, have also kicked off now. Sackboy isn't in there yet, but they're going to add more. Are they? On January the 8th, I believe. Said something about a refresh of, of things January the 8th. Oh, God damn it. That means I can't buy a single game. <laughs> <laughs> I might so- pick up to Dirt Five as a a nice arcade racer. What is that? What is that on sale now? Yes. How much is it available for? Thirty eight quid, something like That's that. That's not bad. I I might join you in that actually because I, I, I fancy <laughs> a a simple shiny racer without any cut concerns towards simulation. Right. We got anything else? No. I'm wishing everybody a Merry Christmas. Yep. I hope you had a Merry Christmas, depending on when you listen. Uh, <laughs> depending on when I get this out. <laughs> yes. Let's, <laughs> let's hope 2021's a little bit better than 2020. Yeah. And we'll we'll be back in February to help get you through it all. So, with all that said, it's the end of Season 2. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Stay well, stay safe. And goodbye. Bye-bye. This podcast was 
produced by Dan Densley and edited by Christy McPherson. And it was presented by both of those idiots. And our excellent new theme tune is La Calahora by Roll Music. It was made available via Creative Commons license on freemusicarchive.org forward slash music forward slash roll music. <laughs>